your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel on Tuesday, July 29th, and this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope. I'm Terry Aranga with my very special guest today, Mrs. Deirdre Imus. Mrs. Imus is the founder and president of the Deirdre Imus Environmental Center for Pediatric Oncology at Hackensack University Medical Center and co-founder and co-director of the Imus Cattle Ranch for Kids with Cancer. Deirdre is author of the newest book in the Green This series, Growing Up Green, Baby and Child Care. She is also an awesome environmental advocate, advocate for children with autism and all children, really, who serves on the boards of several children's health and advocacy organizations, including the National Autism Association, Safe Minds, and Generation Rescue. And now I've spoken enough and would like to welcome you, Deirdre, and thank you for joining us today. Hi, Terry. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Oh, it's a pleasure to welcome you. Deirdre, when you were a student, what were your conceptions about the world with regard to the handling of public health, and have those conceptions changed? Well, as a student, I don't know if you mean high school student or college student or just a student of the world, but it was, I frankly didn't pay much attention um, until I really started working with kids with cancer and kids with sickle cell anemia and then, you know, eventually kids with, uh, children with autism and other uh, neurodevelopmental disorders that I really, really start to question uh, our public health care system. Um, but also, <clears throat> um, starting with, you know, and, and, and of course the treatments or lack of treatments, but, um, a big part of it is I recognize first is that we really don't have a health care system. We have a disease care system, um, you know, where once a child gets sick or an adult gets sick, our, our, our health and medical system is set up to then offer some kind of treatment to those symptoms rather than really focusing on wellness and prevention and also um, asking the questions about the root cause of a certain illness and um, and, 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 and really approaching um, wellness and, you know, diagnosis with what, okay, root, what is the root cause of this? Um, and that's a big focus now, really, over the last decade where I've um, focused all my energies on children's health is root cause and uh, prevention. And and that led me to really what the work that we do at the environmental center at the hospital, and of course, um, you know the books that I've been working on. Well, I think those points are excellent, Deirdre, and I like the way uh, you coined the phrase "disease care system." Um, I think that if people deny that there's a problem, it can um, allow them to avoid taking care of 
the problem, you're talking about illness and root causes. Do you think that there's really been a true increase in chronic childhood illnesses? Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, to say otherwise is an insult to literally the millions of families, you know, working with all these autism organizations and, of course, um, cancer organizations that I work with and see, you know, all of these families that have an affected child with autism or neurodevelopmental disorder or cancer or obesity, diabetes, asthma, um, there, there, we definitely see a significant increase across the board. And that's what I find interesting, too, because autism, as you know, is, you know, is now, and it's a conservative number, really, one out of 150, and it used to be one out of 500, and before that, one out of 10,000. So we've seen a significant increase, but also with neurodevelopmental disorders. I mean, one out of six kids in this country is diagnosed with a neurodevelopmental disorder or a learning impairment like ADD or ADHD, bipolar, even depression. Uh, when you look at uh, breathing problems with our children, approximately one out of 14 kids are diagnosed with asthma. Something like asthma, uh, you can't misdiagnose. Uh, you really can't... Um, you know, you hear people say, well, too many kids are being diagnosed so they can get certain coverage or under uh, the Disabilities um, Act, et cetera. I mean, it's unfortunate that people say that um, because there's a lot of these chronic illnesses that, you know, a child, you know, it's obvious if a child has autism. It's obvious if a child has uh, asthma. It's obvious if a child has diabetes and obesity. Um when I was a kid, and you go back even to a lot of the studies that were done, you know, there, there, were, uh, there weren't many children, if any, in, in a whole entire grammar school or high school where you could probably count on one hand the amount of children that maybe had asthma or an allergy or some kind of uh, real learning disability where um, it was obvious. Uh, and, and nowadays, I mean, we have peanut-free classrooms, peanut-free schools, uh, life-threatening allergies and breathing problems um, that are epidemic. You know, there's there's an epidemic with our with um, I, I, and I and I list of all the chronic illnesses that we're focusing on: autism, uh, epidemic, uh, cancer with children. There's certain cancers where across the board with cancer, there's been a steady one percent increase, which um, which is 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 uh, is significant. Because we still haven't stopped children from getting diagnosed or getting cancer, so we have that steady 1% increase across the board for childhood cancers, and then we're also not preventing it. And at the same time, there's certain cancers like brain tumors um, that we've seen around a 30% increase over the last 30 to 35 years. And a lot of those uh, that, that increase in... Um, and leukemias as well, and brain tumors, um, studies have linked those increases to high exposure to pesticides. Mm-hmm. Um, and pesticides are, are in everything. I mean, our food, our air, our water, our soil, uh, everyday products that we use, and those pesticides are poisons. You know, they're carcinogens and neurotoxins. And so we see this steady trend of increases in all of these chronic illnesses with our children. Of course, obesity, diabetes, uh, significant increase. Um, 
Rheumatoid arthritis is another one. It's the third chronic illness in children diagnosed as early as infancy now. Where back, going back to 1985, it was rare. Uh, there weren't many pediatric rheumatologists where now there's a growing um, uh, demand uh, for that field of pediatric rheumatology because there are so many children that they're seeing now with um, rheumatoid arthritis and other forms of arthritis. So the big question when you see these numbers growing, what is causing our children to be so sick? Some people might try to argue that, at least in the case of autism, it's better diagnosis or a shift in diagnosis or genetics. Well, you know, we can explore all those. I mean, I think people have really tried to explore that and tried to pinpoint that as the answer. But first of all, there is no such thing as a genetic epidemic. I mean, you can ask anyone. I, I, there's, there's no doctor or scientist that will validate that there's such a thing as a genetic epidemic. So, therefore, when they say this is genetic, then how do they account for the numbers that we're seeing, the growing numbers that we're seeing, because our genes just don't work that way. Uh, you all of a sudden don't have a population in a matter of, you know, 15 to 20 years where you have one out of 500 or even one out of 10,000 to one out of 150 and growing, where states like New Jersey, um, it's more like one out of uh, 90 and one out of 60 boys. So when you see that... Um, you also have to consider when people say, oh, it's just better diagnosis. Well, okay, we can look at that too because we're obviously more educated. Now that we're seeing more children with autism, we're now becoming more educated. So, therefore, we see more cases. But then, they, then, then, then they're saying that's because of better diagnosis. It's because we're seeing more cases. But also, um, if that were true, that it was just a matter of better diagnosis, then I want someone to show me all of those 30-year-olds that have the autism and the number that we're seeing in the um, 4, 5, 6, and 7, and 8-year-olds, and you just don't see those numbers. They're not out there. And, and when you have a child, especially the, the, the type of autism that we're seeing, this regressive autism, um, that, it, that, that really, to me, is, the, is, the, is, is where we're seeing the epidemic, where a child's developing normally. And then all of a sudden, they regress and, and don't have any speech, um, you know, and all the other um, symptoms that happen with autism. That child isn't all of a sudden going to be misdiagnosed or missed, you know, by putting that child through school because that child isn't going to be able to get into a mainstream school. So there's so many things that um, uh, don't add up when... You know, you hear, frankly, a lot of the doctors and even the C people from the CDC um, make those silly comments. It just doesn't ring true when you when you look and I mean, anyone who does say that they should visit one of these schools with autism. I went. I've visited a lot of them on the East Coast, and one of the schools I visited up in upstate New York in Buffalo has 400 children with autism. Occasionally, they'll get a child that, that enters around four years old, and they'll be able to mainstream that child. But the children that are there up until 18 years old, there is no way that you're mistaking or misdiagnosing that child. And there's no way 
unfortunately that that child could somehow be mainstreamed and all of a sudden in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, you know, seems quirky or different or acting out, um, that that wouldn't be these children that are getting diagnosed with autism. Right, and as you said so well, um, this is all the way across the board. Um, children are exhibiting, coming down with a variety of illnesses, so it's not just autism. There's a rise in all sorts of childhood illnesses, and doesn't it just make sense that toxins would affect various physiological systems and affect the brain? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you go back years, there were doctors saying it, scientists that were already saying this, even Rachel Carson, you know, the uh, environmentalist, and she she opened our eyes to a lot of these things. I mean, she's she's one of the reasons why that I... I um, I became interested in a lot of the work that I'm doing with the, with greening, and and she even discusses in her book Silent Spring about mitochondrial. That, that she was warning us that we will have severe mitochondrial disorders um, because of all of these environmental pollutants, because of the way we live, our lifestyles, with using all of these chemicals, spraying our our, our food with poisons. And affecting, of course, she focused more on the birds and animal life, but she used that as an example of what was that what was she was seeing with how they were affected because of us poisoning our waters with all these chemicals. You know, everything from cleaning products to pest control, um, bug sprays. Um, you know, all and 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 all uh, you go through the grocery store, all these products, food products that are made with all these chemicals in them are affecting us and. I believe what makes this generation of children unique is that we are literally past a toxic tipping point. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Industrial Revolution happened. We, we started introducing major chemicals, toxic, toxic chemicals that are listed and known as carcinogenic and neurotoxins, endocrine and hormone disruptors, mm-hmm. um, mutagens, um, teratogens. Um, should I stop? <laughs> Yes, this would be a good time to pause, and we will be back in a minute with our wonderful guest, Deidre Imus, and we'd like to thank our sponsor, Enzymedica. Stay tuned. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. 
If you've tried everything on the market and can't seem to get the radiant results you want from your skincare routine, it's time you stop shopping and start listening. Skin Health Today will help you take charge and start making smart choices for a lifetime of radiant skin and positive self-image. Join host Celeste Hilling and her esteemed panel of experts every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Skin Health Today on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Inside all of us lives a warrior. We win battles with our careers, our finances, our children, our pets. It's time that the warrior within wins the battles with our own being. Modern-day Renaissance man Ori Hoffmeckler dispels eating urban legends and fitness myths in Voice America Network's The Warrior Within, your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Ori sets the record straight and will help you become leaner and healthier for a lifetime. The Warrior Within broadcasts live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in for your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with our wonderful guest, Deidre Imus. And Ms. Imus, I'm going to allow you to finish that thought. Oh, sure. Well, when, so when you look at, um, you know, these these increases, and really they're epidemics, um, there's a toxic tipping point that our children, this generation of children, that's why the question is, well, what makes them so unique? You know, our grandparents, you know, they, they, they had exposures. How come, you know, we didn't see the autism we saw then or the cancer that we saw then? And you, people, you know, unfortunately, a big part of the medical establishment likes to say better diagnosis. or, But the real truth to that, and there are many scientists and doctors that have come forward and environmentalists that, that have proven and continue to prove that we have poisoned our children and poisoned them to where it's past a toxic tipping point and we're seeing, you know, really the manifestations and the manifestations are autism and cancer and obesity and diabetes and asthma, uh, so the severe life-threatening allergies, rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, you know, one out of eight babies are also born premature. With premature births comes um, many more complications and uh, an underdeveloped immune system. And the immune system of uh, all of our young children is constantly under attack because of um, you know everything in our environment from our, our, our poisons from uh, the food source to air quality, all the pollution from coal burning factories, and a big big part um, that created really this perfect storm is kids come into the world um, mineral deficient, vitamin deficient um, they uh, could have and yet we have to uh, set up through um, a program to test, test for mitochondria disorders, but our mitochondria has been um, tampered with because of all of these poisons. So our, a lot of these children, they come into the world um, with, you know, vulnerable immune systems. And then, um, you know, they have the inability to absorb food in a, in a healthy way, so they have malnutrition, and the food sources that they eat are poisonous anyway, or junk food. 
Um, but another big piece of this is the vaccine schedule, um, which uh, which we didn't have even in my generation. You know, before even 1983, kids people were getting you know 10 vaccinations. And all of a sudden, in this generation of kids, over, you know, uh, especially through the late uh, 1980s into 1990s, and now as we sit here, by the the time a child is six years old, I mean, they're almost getting 50 uh, 50 vaccinations. So not only are they getting the number of vaccinations, and most of those are before five, five years old, um, the, the the number plus the toxins that are in those vaccinations um, have really pushed these kids over the edge. Um, you saw that in that government conceded case, the Hannah Polling case, mm-hmm. um, where she received because she missed some of the um, vaccinations. She went in and, and and got you know double the amount, seven vaccinations or so. And of course, you and you hear repeatedly with literally thousands of parents. My child was developing normally, and all of a sudden they went in, we got the vaccinations, they had the fever, they had the seizure, they stopped talking, they stopped eye contact, and and then, of course, all these other symptoms that happen as well, and it's devastating, and there's a pattern there with, I mean, thousands and thousands of parents that say the exact same thing, just like the Hannah Poling case, the government-conceded case. Um, So there... You would think that that the CDC and the NIH would be all over that and want to know the answer. You know what happened? Let's look into unvaccinated versus vaccinated kids. Um, when you have um, vaccinations that have mercury, of course, which is one of the most potent neurotoxins that any of us can be exposed to, and formaldehyde, and um, some of them have antifreeze um, and aluminum. Um, it's without question that it's going to do something when you inject that. Never mind breathing that or eating that, but injecting that right into the bloodstream of a, a baby, a child, and a developing um, baby in the womb. Um, it's going to do something. And the fact that there hasn't been enough science since this has been out and parents also have been begging for for more studies to be done on this, um, I find outrageous and, frankly, criminal that they really, ha- the American Academy of Pediatrics hasn't properly addressed this, that the CDC hasn't properly addressed this, that the NIH hasn't properly addressed this, when there is an overwhelming number of parents that have the same exact story about what happened to their child. So does it seem to you to be a, uh, an exercise in Orwellian doublespeak that these agencies would say that injecting poisons won't cause poisoning or symptoms of poisoning? In essence, with autism, they, I mean, they, there are EPA standards for ingested methylmercury from fish. We know that injected ethylmercury from vaccines from Thimerosal is worse. But in essence, they're trying to tell us you know, that injecting poisons won't cause poisoning. Right. Well, they have an agenda. They're, first of all, they're not, they're not telling the truth, you know, and this is about money. I mean, the vaccine program is a, is a world, is a global program. I actually had a pediatrician from the AAP tell me once when, when I was discussing this with him, and it was outrageous that he wasn't, uh, you know, that none of them were admitting the truth about 
the toxins and especially the F, the ethyl mercury in vaccines and not addressing it and how they could continue denying that it's doing something, um, you know, whether it's causing neurodevelopmental or children are getting autism. It's also now studies have shown that it, it can cause early um, uh, higher incidences of asthma, um, children that are uh, vaccinated and getting the earlier vaccinations, the multiple vaccinations. So his reply was that, um, well, how would it look if we took the, all the mercury out for our children in the United States, but we're still shipping it overseas to all the other countries. Exactly. So that, I mean, that shows you right there what their motive is. So I said, oh, so your rationale is to poison everyone evenly? And so this is, you know, this is where they have not been truthful. They continue to poison our children because there is still mercury in many of the vaccines, including a lot of the flu shots. There's aluminum, which is also a known neurotoxin. And, uh, Dr. Ayub and a lot of other um, doctors and scientists have um, been now looking into that also, the levels of aluminum that our children are being injected with, as well as formaldehyde, which is also a, a, uh, a neurotoxin and a carcinogen. So it, if, you, if you step back even from a common sense point of view, you don't have to be a doctor or scientist. I just know even as a mother, it makes no sense to inject my child with all of those poisons nor do I want to feed my child. You know, that's why I advocate for organic food, for whole food, um, you know, using personal care products and baby care products on your children that are non-toxic, um, of course, cleaning products that are non-toxic. The whole reason behind that is to eliminate those exposures and not being, um, not exposing your child, bombarding your child's immune system with all of these poisons. It just doesn't make sense. And, so there are so many ways that we can prevent our children from being exposed to these toxins, but it's really been a battle with the vaccinations because then when you speak out on these issues, everyone thinks, you know, they try to try to, try to say that you're anti-vaccine, which there's a big difference. Um, we have even on my environmental center's website a whole thing about greening vaccines, and it's no different than advocating for greening the cleaning, like we did going back to 2000. We have a greening the cleaning program that we implement in hospitals and, of course, now in homes as well, where we advocate for using non-toxic cleaning products. Again, use products without carcinogens and hormone and endocrine disruptors and neurotoxins. Well, it's the same with the vaccines. Let's prove the safety of them. Um, you know, a big part is 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 spreading these vaccines out. I mean, there's so many protocols that aren't in place yet to to test a child. You know, don't you find this interesting, Terry, that the doctors, and when you have a newborn baby, they'll, they'll, they'll tell you not to feed a child food yet, your baby, until maybe four months or older. Because, and the reason why, because of allergies, um, breathing problems, induced asthma early, at an early age, um, you know, stomach problems, immune system problems by feeding the, the baby um, real food yet, and yet they, va- they give them all those vaccinations before they're even allowed to ever eat a piece of food. And to me, that also doesn't make sense, yet they claim that that doesn't, have, that doesn't assault the developing immune system of a child, of a, of a baby. Um, there's a lot of questions here that we've all asked and they cannot answer. Right. There are so many things that don't make sense in the way that, that certain entities speak to us. I think that um, 
the public has been socialized to believe that vaccines are for the public good, you know, whichever way you believe on that, but that's the way everybody's been brought up to believe that vaccines are for the public good. So when parents are talking about um, taking toxins out of vaccines, the argument is changed by the agencies to say that the parents are anti-vaccine. So one, people have been have been brought up to believe that vaccines are for the public good. Then when we talk about, say, taking toxins out of vaccines, we're called anti-vaccine, which makes... Which is so silly. Which makes us look like heretical. Well, again, they want to make us look crazy. But again, and I say to people, that would be like me saying that I'm anti-cleaning products. Because going back to 2000, when I started the Environmental Center, we set up the Greening the Cleaning Program, advocating healthy products with all those carcinogens and neurotoxins. We're also, all of us as parents in these organizations are asking the same thing of vaccinations. We're asking the same thing of our food sources and the same thing of of our, our, our medical Uh, treatments that they're the least level of toxicity. All of which makes sense. And we'll talk more about this in a minute when we come back with Deidre Iman. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Tune in on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart, the program that takes you on a journey through grief after the death of a child. Join Dr. Gloria Horsley, marriage and family therapist and bereaved parent, while she interviews and discusses with other bereaved parents and siblings how they have coped with the death of a child and gone on to create and realize new dreams. So tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart with Dr. Gloria Horsley, right here on Voice America Health & Wellness. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. Welcome back. And we are joining our guest, Deirdre Imus. And I think this would be a great time since we've established that definitely prevention is better, um, that this would be a great time to talk about your wonderful book. That's why you wrote your wonderful book, Growing Up Green, uh, which is the second book in the best-selling Greenness series. We know that prevention is better than treating after the fact. And your book takes us from preconception, which you touched on earlier, talking about how kids are born into this world with mineral deficiencies, etc. So it takes us from preconception through adulthood insofar as safeguarding health by preventing illness due to contaminants. So what are the bad actors that we're looking for, the bad actors in the environment that we're looking for, and what moms and parents need to avoid? Well, because they're ubiquitous, you know, environmental toxins, and most of them are harmful to children, I I do kind of do a list in the book, too, and, and again, a practical um, approach so parents aren't. I want to. I want to emphasize this first that parents don't get stressed out um, and overwhelmed by information, um, and that's why I think the book has been successful, Growing Up Green, because you know parents have so so much already going on in their lives, and, and raising children is is the most um, rewarding, but also can be the most difficult thing, um, and so. Um, I try to take you through where you can actually, when you get this information, do one step at a time and make changes one at a time. But mercury is at the top of the list, you know, as far as harmful toxins in our environment that you really want to, and again, focus on what you can control. What we can't control right now, you just have to let it go. Focus on what you can control. So knowing mercury is in vaccines, it's in fish, it's in dental amalgams, it's in coal-burning emissions, incinerators, landfills, Consider those things and eliminate as much as possible where you can uh, prevent that exposure to your child. Um, obviously, then you can you can prevent mercury in vaccines. You can prevent eating fish, and and you know that's a whole other subject. But most fish on the planet has some level of mercury, but also fish, unfortunately, because our waters are so polluted, have high levels of dioxins, which are also cancer causing also have PCBs in them, which are cancer-causing. Um, so fish, uh, it's not just about mercury. There's other contaminants that um, mothers, if they're planning on getting pregnant or are pregnant or have young children, they really want to stay away from um, most fish. And, of course, there's lists, and I have them in my book, too, and other organizations do that will list the fish that have less mercury, but there really isn't any fish out there that has no mercury. Um, and toxic cleaning products are top on the list because everyone cleans. They're necessary. Everyone has tox- everyone has cleaning products in their home, in the schools, in hospitals. So, um, of course, this came out of my first book, Greening Your Cleaning, but focusing on using non-toxic cleaning products in the home because there are a list, endless list, anywhere from, you know, any of those chlorine bleach products someone uses to fabric softeners to air fresheners, um, uh, Floor strippers, floor waxers, um, those little things you put in the dryer. Um, the, the, I mean, everywhere you look in the home, you're being exposed to to real 
toxic exposures. And a lot of those uh, cleaning products and products that are used in the home um, have a list of carcinogens and neurotoxins and hormone disruptors in there. So that's another great place for a parent to start that they can totally control, take charge of. It won't cost them more money. In fact, they'll save money by switching over to non-toxic practices. Lead is still a big exposure that our children get through many, many sources. It's in the air. Unfortunately, it's still in certain paints and old buildings. Um, it's in a lot of toys. We've heard, you know, all that whole controversy about toys. Well, it's, it's in a lot of toys. It's in a lot of ceramic wear, like kitchenware. So you have to be very careful. Um, and, of course, smoking. Uh, you would think in this day and age you wouldn't have to bring that up, but smoking is, is, a, is people are smoking more now than they did, you know, even 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, young children, teenagers, uh, girls, there's a higher incidence now of uh, teenage smokers, and smoking is um, in the home, any kind of parent smoking in the home around young children, uh, of course, causes all sorts of um, health problems. Pesticides that are sprayed in the home, too. That would be another place that's easy to start. Do not use an exterminator that, that comes in and sprays all these pesticides to take care of ants or roaches or bugs or, um, you know, whatever the problem that you have. You're better off finding an uh, uh, integrative pest management program in your town and, and, and find a company that works with the least level of toxicity. Uh, you know, we're out here on the ranch that we have for kids with cancer here. We're on 4,000 acres, Terry. We use, we spray absolutely zero toxic pesticides. We don't use, we don't use any toxic, no chemical fertilizers. All the food's organic. All the food is whole food. We have a whole garden and greenhouse and we grow 80% of all our vegetables and our fruits and our uh, seeds and our, um, herbs that the kids eat, you know, we have 30 horses and Texas Longhorn cattle and chickens and donkeys and buffalo, and we spray nothing toxic. Even the shampoos and the kids wash the horses is all organic. Of course, all the cleaning products are my greening the cleaning. Uh, we built everything green out here. The reason for that, again, is eliminating those exposures. And of course, it makes more sense if your child's already diagnosed with, unfortunately, cancer or autism or some kind of, you know, breathing problem, asthma, to not expose your child unnecessarily to all these toxins. So these are real practical things that parents can do in their home um, to prevent those exposures. And believe me, even if you changed one of those things, like one cleaning product, that's a huge difference already in your in because indoor environments are much more toxic than outdoor environments, and that's why I focus on indoor environments so much because so much poison, so many bad things happen indoors inside a building, and when you introduce toxic cleaning agents and pest control, um, they don't have that ability to be dispersed in the same way if you use those things outdoors. So so there's there's a chemical cocktail mix that happens where there were – EPA has even done some studies on this where they show that many of these chemicals become five to ten times more toxic indoors than outdoors because of their inability to be dispersed. Oh, so, again, not to – because this could be scary. People hear this information for the first time and parents are like, oh, my God, what do I do? I'm using all the stuff that you're telling me not to use and I know, you know, I'm using everything toxic. And I tell them, 
first of all, stress is the worst killer. And then it paralyzes you and you don't do anything. So start with one thing. If we all were to, to just start with one thing, be confident about that one change, whether it's start with eating, you know, one organic food or if you're already eating some organic, make a, I, I tell parents, you got to start doing a menu every week with your family. Number one, you'll save money on food. Number two, you'll really focus and see if you're really eating the nutritious food that you should, because when you start writing that down, um, you, people don't realize how much of the junk food that they're feeding their family, and not on purpose, but they're just because they're not writing it down and being organized. But you start writing that down, and you can make this, oh, gee, my kid eats apples four times a week. I didn't realize that I'm going through a lot of that. Then make that an organic apple. Again, those I have a whole list from the um, uh, the Dirty Dozen that the Environmental Working Group came up with of that most heavily sprayed fruits and vegetables. Go through that list that's, that's, that's there and... If, you're, if your family eats a lot of those peppers or melons or berries or strawberries or blueberries, make that a priority. Make those organic and start from there because then it becomes affordable. It becomes stress-free where you can incorporate that into your everyday life and then it becomes habit and then you go to the next change. And I've actually worked with families with food, with cleaning products, with pest control and then gotten into other aspects of their life. And it's amazing where they first come to me and say, I can't afford this or I don't know how to do this. It's too overwhelming. And I start having them do one change and come to me um, weekly, and it's amazing. Within months, they've literally transformed their household for the better. And um, and so it can be done. And but, but I think a big part of it, because of the way society is now, a lot of moms and dads, and especially moms, of course, you know, even a stay-at-home mom these days is different than a stay-at-home mom 30 or 40 years ago because a stay-at-home mom is really, really busy. She is that CEO running her household, and she's the way, the way modern life is, she's not staying home cooking and baking and doing everything from scratch like, you know, maybe our grandmothers did. Um, but what, what, so there's a confidence that's been lost with parents because they rely on the microwave and frozen food and packaged food, fast food. And so if you take that away from them, parents say, oh, my God, I don't know if I can do this then, or I don't know if I have the time, or how do I do this because those skills are lost. And that's where I really am trying to help families show them. And my book lays out a lot of even the recipes of how to do this and to show you that it's not going to cost you more time if you take that microwave away or that for all those frozen foods that you just pop in, you know, that you don't have to ever prepare, but that how you can start incorporating fresh, whole, organic fruits and vegetables and nuts and legumes and beans and even all these yummy snacks, healthy snacks, rather than grabbing all the boxed, prepackaged food that usually has a lot of, you know, additives, chemicals, dyes, you know, much more sugar than a child ever, ever needs. <clears throat> so really easy, simple ways. And it really builds, a big part of it is building um, confidence again with families that they can do this. Deidre, I think that that is such an excellent point. Um, first, I want to say that I did like that this book has a resource section with food, recipes, reading, and websites. And I think your point about confidence is fantastic and important and empowering because I think that, Parents um, at this point have been socialized by agencies or the media or the powers that be, those who want to maintain the status quo, not to have confidence in themselves and not to trust their gut instincts. 
Parents are the best experts on their children and have got to proceed with confidence and, and be empowered for their children's health and safety. And we are going to go to break, and we'll come back soon with Deirdre Imus. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. JackLaLane.com presents Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Each week, Jack is joined by Elaine LaLane and his nephew, bodybuilder, kinesiologist, and personal trainer, Chris LaLane, to answer your questions and help you overcome your fitness roadblocks. That's three times the diet and fitness know-how, three times the entertainment. Tune in every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific to Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Hypnosis, what a completely misunderstood word. There are all kinds of myths and superstitions surrounding the concept of hypnosis. The truth is that it can be used safely in practices of health and wellness. Join consulting hypnotist Jennifer Van Wee for the program Hypnosis for Positive Life Changes and learn how to experience relaxation to enhance your ability to cope with stress and other complicated issues. Hypnosis for Positive Life Changes airs Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Deidre Imus, author of Growing Up Green, Baby and Child Care, Volume 2, in the best-selling Greenness series. And Deidre, um, something that I really liked in your book, another thing that I really liked in your book, um, was how you were talking about um, what the example from cancer, and you, you have the, the cattle ranch, um, and you were talking about how it couldn't all be the child, the rise in childhood cancer couldn't all be explained, of course, um, just looking at genetics. There's a real environmental trigger, and we know that that's parallel to what's going on with autism. So I'd like to learn more about the types of comorbidities you see um, with the kids who have cancer and the types of uh, products that you use at the ranch and programs that you have at the ranch, and also uh, want to alert parents to any dangers that may be in their children's school environment. 
Well, it, and also, so speaking, um, talking about cancer and then, of course, autism, with cancer, fewer than 10% of all cancers are actually genetic. And Dr. Deborah Davis, University of Pittsburgh, and I, she's quoted through my book discussing that she's done, she's written a book about it. She's done extensive uh, um, studies on this, along with many other doctors. The National Cancer Institute, if you go on their website, the NIH, they'll even validate. Some say 80 to 85 percent of all cancers are because of you know environmental exposure, and and some will say 90s, but approximately fewer than 10 percent. And I think even when you look at autism, too, the regressive autism that we're seeing that is in these epidemic numbers, you might have, again, fewer than 10%. And I think, I think this will come out in, in um, research with autism, like it is with cancer, that fewer than 10% are because of a, <clears throat> a gene. Well, you know, we have the fragile X and some other that we're already <clears throat> relating to genetics. But it's a very, my point is it's a very small percentage and a big part of it, again, an overwhelming part. In fact, the World Health Organization even tells us, well, over um, 85% of all chronic illnesses, including cancer and all these other illnesses that we've discussed today, are a res- could be prevented if we weren't constantly exposed to all of these environmental toxins. So then when parents are thinking, what, you know, what, what can they do and the things we just discussed that they can do in their home, another big part of what parents can get involved in and take control of is the school that their child goes to. Um, we've worked really hard at, at, the, at the Deer Drymus Environmental Center for Pediatric Oncology is a greening the cleaning program. And it's a national program, greening your schools program and building green. These are all national programs that we have. And what we do is we work with schools and go into those schools and, and get rid of their toxic cleaning agents. We educate them first why they should switch over to uh, our, our green in the cleaning program or a um, non-toxic cleaning program, uh, cleaning product program. Um, also address their pest control and advise them and consult them on how to get rid of all those toxic exposures that children are exposed to in school. I mean, kids spend 80% of their day once you put them, you know, a lot of people once they put them in daycare. So it can start as early as three years old, two years old even, where kids are spending 80% of their day in schools. And those schools are highly toxic environments. So we address the cleaning products, the pest control, the food program. We've actually worked with schools where we've helped them get rid of a lot of the junk food and incorporate organic, um, a lot more vegetarian, whole food choices. Um, Also with painting, schools, when schools close down for the summer, they usually pretty much um, wash everything down, uh, re-wax the floors, uh, repaint every classroom. Um, so there's major, major um, work that's done through the summer, and we work with schools, too, to choose, again, the least level of toxicity with paint choices, even, because a lot of paints that are used have volatile organic compounds, which impair the the developing immune system, the neurological system, and again have been related to between cleaning products being exposed to when a kid's sitting in a classroom to the toxic pest control and then then the toxic paints where they're breathing all those vapors. 
it, no wonder so many of our children have problems focusing. This, this is incredible. Top that off with some gummy bears, and, and you've put a child into a learning environment where you're doing everything you can not to make them not to be able to learn. Right, and then all of a sudden we've got, a, a, you know, all these kids diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, even depression, you know, bipolar. So much of this, a huge, huge, huge percentage of this is because of those environmental pollutants that they're just being assaulted with. And um, a big, so we have these programs, um, you know, um, and we also have it through the home. Like if, uh, the retail program, we've been highly successful implementing, and we sell at imisranchfoods.com and then dienviro. Com. And that institutional line is through the Environmental Center, and then the retail line is through imusranchfoods.com. And 100% of all of those profits, when we sell the Greening the Cleaning program, goes to the Imus Cattle Ranch for Kids with Cancer. And then the institutional line, when we, when we go into a hospital or go into a school and totally implement the, the Greening the Cleaning program, 100% of those profits go into the Environmental Center for these programs for children's health. So we're unique in that way, too, that we're doing this, um, you know, where no one's making money. I don't, I don't make a penny. And, of course, again, this, these are, these are um, uh, to me, these are great ways to educate because we can all be out there speaking about stuff. You need to do this. You need to do that. But when I started doing this, you know, over 15 years ago, the missing link to me was people then didn't have a tangible thing that once they gave you that positive information for change, they didn't give you a positive, tangible thing to go and do. And that's where the Green and the Cleaning program has been so successful because I'll speak about it and then I'll say, look, we have the program. We can help your school and do this right now and then do it um, for charity. So uh, same with building green, going into a school and consulting and showing them how to build green and even your communities. Um, so, there, there, you know, someone can you can pick one of those things or start Again, start with one of those things, and once you get a school implemented with green in the cleaning, they automatically ask about pest control, and then they want to know what about our paints when we paint the school, and what about our food program? How can you know? How can we? Um, parents usually ask, you know, you know, the, the food program's horrible, and and again, our children are getting most of their meals at school, and and and, and so it's real, it's vitally important that. Parents really get involved because right now the, the reason why our children are exposed to all these toxins is because parents aren't speaking up. If parents spoke up and refused um, for those schools to be um, exposing their children to these toxins, we would have then the legislation to back that up and the regulations in schools um, to demand that um, our children are not exposed to these toxins. And again, I find it criminal on a certain level because our children, when you look at all they're exposed to, are, they end up being treated like third-class citizens in this country. I find it unconscionable. And that's where a big part of the Environmental Center, we, we advocate and we work with legislation are, are, and have worked with many pieces of legislation already to green the cleaning and the Greening Our Cleaning Acts like we've done in Manhattan, New York City, New York State, New Jersey, Connecticut, through the governors. We've done a lot of this legislation. But it's, it's picking off one thing at a time where there should be regulations, federal regulations and legislation that really proves the safety um, on behalf of our children, and we don't really do that with products that are manufactured yet in this country. And there is a Kids Chemical Safety Act that we are um, 
supporting. And we ask to go on our website and have other organizations and parents to support because that piece of legislation federally would, would literally um, support and protect our children from being exposed to um, all of these toxins. And it would, it would demand that manufacturers prove that their products do not um, have carcinogens or neurotoxins or hormone and endocrine disruptors that um, will cause um, health problems in our children. So that's another way that parents can also get involved. Wow. You know? This is fantastic. Well, Deidre, we really appreciate your efforts. This is wonderful. Your heartfelt efforts have been invaluable, and, and they're a shining example of what activism is all about. So I'd like to thank you again for being with us. We wish you all the best, and I encourage parents and others to please visit the website www.dienviro.com for more information. Deidre, thank you. Thank you, Terry. And to our listeners, please email any comments to me at taranga at autism1.org. Next week on Autism One, a conversation of hope, Drs. Harry Schneider and Dr. Richard Fry. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Enzymedica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga.